right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to talk a little curling with uh, Nolan Thiessen, CEO of Curling Canada. The Scotties are well underway in Calgary. Uh, Nolan, long time no talk, but welcome to Sports 1440. Oh, thanks for having me, Kevin. Well, so Scotty's uh, now into day number four here, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and now on Tuesday. Uh, I watched the um, the Sturmay game with Ackerman last night to Alberta and Saskatchewan, and I think, um, you know, anytime an Alberta rink is doing well, we keep uh, our eyeballs on it for sure. So uh, Selena, Selena Sturme, 4-0, uh, what have you made of her, Her, uh, I guess, her success in the early going so far at the Scotties? Well, I mean, I, th- I think obviously, you know, they're one of our up-and-coming teams. They're, you know, in our next-gen program, and, and uh, you know, I think we expect them to kind of started taking steps I think when they they beat Carrie Anderson uh there on the second day um I think kind of eyes perked up mm-hmm. and you're you're like okay this is now the time right and uh you know four and oh and a really big game this afternoon against Quebec they're uh they put themselves in a really good spot to make the playoffs if they win to win this afternoon. Mm-hmm. What's the next gen program all about, and how many of these young rinks have gone through it? And I guess how have you seen them kind of climb the ladder, you know, because of this program? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we've got our our national team program, which is, you know. It's all through Sport Canada and on the podium, and it's for sort of immediate medals, right? Um, they do have some investment, and then Curling Canada invests some of its own um, uh, funds in sort of just some of those teams that are, you know, at a younger age and stage, you know, mid mid twenties, um, late twenties, and you know, we're trying to invest in them so that they're they're training more and they're, and they're, they're ready to go, um, you know, once, once that time comes. And, um, so it's just a lot of them have been through it. I think you you see a lot of teams with a little curling Canada logo on their, on their pants these days. Um, you know, you only used to see that at the world championships, whereas now that's on there for anybody who's, you know, got some funding through curling Canada. So it's, you know, just trying to invest in people so that they, uh, have the time and, resources to train. Nolan Thiessen, CEO of Curling Canada, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. There's so many storylines here at the Scotties uh, with Anderson going for five and, um, yeah. you know, Jennifer Jones has, you know, been the face of women's curling for, for so many years. Do you feel like it's a kind of a, let's start with Jennifer. Is it sort of a, a feel-good kind of feeling in Calgary with uh, with Jennifer's last Scotties? Yeah, no, I mean, we're seeing it with a lot of people coming to the door saying, hey, I want to watch Jennifer in her last event. Um, you know, she's been just the face of of curling almost, right, let alone the face of women's curling for so long. Um, thing is, and I know she says this is her, her last Scotties, and then she's done mm-hmm. um, with women's curling, but she's still Jennifer Jones, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, she's still 4-0. She's still... Uh, uh, handling and taking care of business. So, you know, I think uh, I, I expect it to be quite a weekend uh, next weekend, you know, with uh, her and Holman and Anderson, Sturme. I mean, I think it's going to be, it's it's going to be really interesting next weekend. Mm-hmm. And what have you made of uh, Anderson's rink so far this week? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, l- losing a player yeah. there, um, you know, is tough, but, um you know, I, I said to somebody, I said, Carrie has a little bit of a, 
okay, now I'm mad. Uh, yeah. Look on her face, right? Like one of those, you know, she's a she's a great champion that has has won a lot, and and she kind of, you know, sometimes when those you know those types of people get you just you just get them upset a little bit and they just kind of say, okay, I'm going to take it out on all of you. So um, that's what I've kind of seen so far. Carrie looks pretty determined to make sure that that, uh, that doesn't affect the end of the week for them. Mm-hmm. I know we don't want to get into what happened in that sense of losing a, a, a player, but you still have to, when, when we were texting yesterday, Curling Canada did send out a, a release on it. Can you yeah. just shed that light on it, uh, Nolan? Yeah, we were just made aware that the player was ineligible mm-hmm. and that's all we were really allowed to say. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we put that out and, and I think it was, you know, also to sort of help the team, right? So that the team's not just sitting there with people asking them questions saying, why isn't your, your regular player on the ice? So, um, you know, that's that's all we were allowed to do and, and, and we did that and Kerry's team's kind of just, you know... Uh, Put put their uh, put their mind to it and uh, just concentrated on going forward. Nolan Thiessen with a CEO of Curling Canada. It's been a number of years, Nolan, since the the changing of the format with you know wild card teams and uh, the yeah. two pools. How have you seen um, that evolve? What's been the reaction from fans? You know, I think it's evolved a little bit. Um, it was interesting, right? When it was a wild card game, you know, it was easy to say you know, we determine it after the playdowns because, um, you know, nobody wants to go play a one game winner take all on the first night of the, of the Scotties and the Briar. Now that we have three teams, um, I think, um, you know, taking some teams early, uh, has been really helpful and made the playdowns just matter a little bit more too, right? Cause it's kind of winner, winner goal. Um, I think, I think at the end of the day, everybody has sort of seen, look, like, you know, we need to talk top six or seven teams in Canada at the national championships, right? Um, I I said, uh, you know, I, I wasn't complaining to anybody at the time, but it is funny to look back. I said when I was playing with Kevin Cooey's team, we were the fourth-ranked team in the world, and we were the third-ranked team in Edmonton. So, um, you know, it was, yeah. um, you know, it's tough sledding in some, in some places, and it's good to get, get multiple teams that, uh, from, uh, one of our MAs there. Um, so it's, and you know what, it's funny, the players want to wear the logo, right? Like, um, and the, and the provincial provincial name, right? I mean, they're, they get really excited about that. So it's, you know, even having Ontario Holman and Ontario Inglis, you know, I think it's, it's just, it still stays in sort of the Scotties and Briar vain but then uh you know we just have the best teams there at the the championships is it just the way it goes then nolan in the sense that well it takes away from the provincial playdowns a little bit because that's just the way it goes uh you're you're probably sacrificing a little on that uh, body you know the provincial body to have the best teams you know in the national championship yeah a little bit but i mean you know i guess you can if you you look at it on the other side i mean um you know, you could have, you know, teams like a Carson Sturmey and, you know, I know Aaron Slashinsky's team won, mm-hmm. won Alberta men's this year, beating Kevin in the final. But, you know, sometimes now those teams are going to be playing a game to win a Purple Heart. And that really matters when they when they then get to the national championship, I think, and, and kind of get some of those reps. So, like I said, it's just, for me, it's just trying to get as many good teams 
into the national championships as we can just because it's it's such an important event. Nolan Thiessen, CEO of Curling Canada, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, after the Scotties, you, you get a couple days off and then head to Regina. And, you know, for me, Nolan, it's, you know, it was the Labatt Briar, then the Tim yeah. Hortons Briar, and before that, and, you know, you can even go back to what, you know, the naming rates were. But now you've got Montana's coming in to be like yeah. the title sponsor. How did that all come about uh, with this with this change uh, for a title sponsor? Well, um, you know, I think Tim Hortons was the title sponsor for uh, about 19 years. Um, you know, I it just kind of sometimes sponsorship um, just kind of peters out a little bit or it just kind of, they you know, they want to invest in something else, which is fine. Um, and so, you know, we, we sent off Tim Hortons in a respectful way last year and then yeah re-engaged with the corporate community and, and really early on it, 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 you know, Montana's really showed strong interest and, and it got serious quickly. And, and they were looking at it as the Briar is such an iconic Canadian brand and they're a Canadian company, but with an, with the name of a U.S. state. So therefore, they always fight that idea that they're a Canadian company, right? So I think for them, it was partnering with something that was so iconically Canadian. And and it just, it came it came together fairly quickly in the summer. And then, you know, we announced it in, mm-hmm. in September and uh, along with, uh, you know, a nice little kickoff for, for some tickets in Regina. So it was, uh, it all worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nolan Thiessen with us uh, on Sports 1440. What's it been like for you, Nolan, taking over this job now uh, to be CEO of uh, Curling Canada? What's some of the harder things that you've learned and maybe something because being a player is way different now. You're, you've got so many things to worry about. Uh, yeah. What's it been like for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I, when I stopped playing, I guess, you know, for the last seven years, I've been just, exp- um, you know, working with Curling Canada and being exposed to tons of different um, parts of the business to try to learn the, the business of sport, right? The business of amateur sport. Um, you know, I think right now, because everything came together fairly quickly at the end, once the uh, interview process was done, um, I'm still kind of doing a little bit of two jobs. So I think that's probably the hardest part at the moment because I'm still technically, uh, you know, the person who's leading the events. But um, you know, we'll backfill that a little bit in the spring and, and, uh, I could just concentrate on CEO duties, but, um, you know, I've just been so ingrained in the sport and tried to learn so much about it. It's, it's been, it's been interesting, but it's been great. There's a ton of good, um, positive support. I think there's a mm-hmm. lot of people that are really excited that there's a curler in that seat and yeah. a curler with, uh, you know, a, a good business brain and, and lots of, uh, it's been through tons of parts of the system doesn't have to learn much has to just kind of get in the weeds and try to try to make the game better right so i mean it's been it's been a whirlwind start but um it's been good you know, uh, Nolan, we had Laura and Jeff Walker in studio here oh, about several weeks ago. And Laura, with her involvement now, kind of sitting on a board yeah. here with you, can you just speak to the, uh, I guess, to have the players, uh, you know, that that kind of representation moving forward? Yeah, I mean, you just, you need as many voices in the room when you're making decisions as possible, right? You need people with varied backgrounds. So, you know, you need people who... 
can view it from the MA standpoint. You need people who can view it from the sponsor standpoint and you need people who can view it from, you know, the athlete standpoint. Mm -hmm. So having people like, um, you know, Laura on our board, I think is super helpful. Um, it's actually been interesting since I've gotten the role because curling is, you know, not a sport that you just, it's all you do when you're, when you're 14 and you, and you, you know, there's a lot of people with different business backgrounds or, you know, different university degrees that they kind of are looking at it now going, Oh, this would be, I guess maybe I can still be engaged in the sport and I don't just have to be a coach or a broadcaster. Right. So I've had a lot of people sort of reach out to me and say, Hey, how can I give back to curling through marketing or through, um, you know, policy review, like a ton of different stuff. So it's, it's been great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you like where the game is heading Nolan right now? Yeah. I mean, there's always, there's always improvement. It's always continuous. I think, you know, I think from a high performance lens in Canada, um, I know everybody wants us to win all the time and we want to win all the time. I said that to the board. I said, you're not going to find somebody's uh, any more competitive than I am. I'm going to want to, you know, I want us to stand on top of the podium, but um, it's just a lot of hard work. So I think a lot of our athletes have, you know, um, seen what's been going on outside of, of the Canadian borders and they're really putting in a lot of work that nobody nobody sees, right? It's it's all that work that gets done in August and July that that pays off with medals. So um, you know, that's changing and I think there's a ton of people in the system too that are trying to take the game to new places. And uh, you, so that's stuff that doesn't happen overnight. That's just gradual. And, um, you know, there's a ton of people who are wanting to improve the game. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. Obviously sometimes things don't happen as fast as some people want, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously pretty excited for, for where we're going. Hey, well, Nolan, thanks for hopping on today. Appreciate, uh, your time and, uh, hopefully the, uh, Hey, it's been great that the crowds have been great so far at the Scotties. I'm sure you're, uh, as the week progresses, tickets or sales are even, uh, higher than what we've seen so far. Yeah, no, for sure. We're, um, we're already in, uh, standing room only for the, for most of the playoffs oh, next weekend. Great. And, uh, um, you know, we were, I was just going through some stuff with my ticketing, uh, manager yesterday because, some of the seats that we hold for the players and their families, I think uh, we want to sell those. So we're putting some of the families up in the suites for uh, for the playoffs because, you know, the tickets are so few and far between that we can sell. So we're we're uh, it's been a great great event in Calgary. Good stuff, uh, Nolan. Thanks for this. Uh, good luck for the rest of the Scotties and then for the uh, Montana's Briar coming up uh, in Regina at the start of March. Thanks for this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Kevin. All right, that's Nolan Thiessen, CEO of Curling Canada. Draw 10 well underway at the Scotties in Calgary. Uh, One game of note, uh, Rachel Holman and Cameron, 2-2 now in the third end. When we come back, Alberta Golden Bears with a big victory. Two games to one over the Saskatchewan Huskies this weekend in Canada West quarterfinal action. Coach Ian Herbers will be our guest on Sports 1440 right after the break. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to talk a little uh, university hockey. The Alberta Golden Bears with a massive uh, three-game series in Saskatchewan on the weekend and come out with a a 2-1 series victory over the Huskies. And we're joined by Golden Bears hockey head coach Ian Herbers. Herbie, welcome back to Sports 1440. 
Thanks, Kevin. Well, uh, let's touch on this weekend series uh, going into Saskatoon. It's always tough. Uh, you know, their fans are right there behind their team, just like uh, the Golden Bears fans are when you play, play at Claire Drake Arena. Overall thoughts on the weekend, a 2-1 series uh, victory over the Huskies. Yeah, no, like you said, the fans are usually very boisterous. It uh, wasn't as big a crowd as I thought. Um, usually they've packed the building when we're in town. Um, but I thought our guys stuck with the game plan, played well. Every time we play Saskatchewan, especially in Saskatchewan, it's, it's a tough game, tough series. Uh, figured right from the start it was going to go three games, if we, even if we won the first game. Um, we didn't have the start we wanted in the first game. We didn't have everybody clicking, maybe as a tentative, kind of waiting to see what's happening instead of dictating the play. Uh, but we responded very well in the second game and played our game and were dominant and could have put it away a little bit earlier, but we stuck with it and found a way to get the the win with by one goal. And then in the third game, I thought we came out and played very well again, just that we were sporadic at times, I guess, similar to our regular season. Uh, we were very good at times, not so good at times. Uh, we had opportunities again to put that game away and finish it early and not send it into overtime, but our guys stuck with it. So our mental strength, our perseverance, uh, and some guys elevated their game, and we found a way to get the win. Ian Herbers, our guest on Sports 1440. So as a coach, Herbie, how do you, you know, as you said, you're kind of in a short three-game series. You don't have time to dip your toes in the water here. Uh, how do you kind of say to the guys, let's get going here? Well, that's just it. We're just trying to figure that out. Um, it's great that uh, Boyko's line, the first game, played very well. Uh, Thacker and Prez on that line, and then Boyko got dinged up a little bit, and Hall stepped in there, and that line was very effective for us and put Smallwood in the middle on that third line, and those guys played very well in those second and third games too. Um, and then our fourth line, I guess if you want to call it with Kendall, Trolley, and McGregor, they played their role. They played mm-hmm. physical. They played hard. They were hard to play against. Uh, I could put them out against the top line for Saskatchewan in any situation, D-zone face-offs, O-zone face-offs. And they filled the role that they needed to. Ate some ice time, created some opportunities, drew some penalties, uh, were a pain to play against. And that's what they need to keep doing. And I thought our D got better as the series went on. Uh, moved pucks quickly, got pucks up. We were harder in the D zone, and we need to make sure we're playing that way right from the start. Mm-hmm. We go into UBC this weekend, tentative and, you know, wasting, I guess, the first game. Uh, it's tough to win two against UBC and UBC, so we need to uh, make sure we're set and ready to go Friday. What kind of a luxury is that, Ian, when you have your fourth line, and you mentioned McGregor and guys on that line, that you can have that confidence to put them out there in any situation against any any line of the opposition? Well, especially when at the first and third games we were the away team, so I had last changes. So the ability to put them out and not worried if they want to try and match up their first line against them, we had no issues with that. And I expect the same from those guys this weekend in UBC. Uh, if they want to put their top line against them, well, UBC has four lines that can score and are potent and are dangerous, so they've got to be able to play and wear teams out. The key for them is being physical, staying out of the penalty box, and making the game simple. Chipping pucks in behind, uh, making the other teams D-turn and try and retrieve pucks, and then they're hard on them, wear them out, and keep the puck in the O-zone and uh, create that momentum for the next lines to follow up with. 
Ian Herber is with us on Sports 1440. So off to UBC. The Bears have never played in UBC in the playoffs. Uh, what did you make of uh, the Thunderbirds here, uh, I guess, three weeks ago or so when they were here for the two-game set? Uh, what did you make of what you saw of them at that point of the season? Because uh, we discussed it uh, when you faced them earlier in the year. Totally different scenario than what you saw from them at Claire Drake Arena. Well, basically the same lineup for them. Uh, not much changes for them. They, it, it seems like they've had a little adversity for them. I thought we, as you said, that first series, we were still figuring things out. Guys in and out, line up a few injuries. Uh, we weren't very good that weekend, but I thought our weekend here at Claire Drake, we played very well. Mm-hmm. Had an opportunity to win both games. Uh, just a couple tweaks and changes we'll have to make. We'll have to make sure we're sharp on specialty teams. We'll have to be huge, our power play and penalty kill. Uh, staying out of the box with these guys, uh, being very physical on them, taking pucks hard to the net, being right in their face, mm-hmm. giving them zero time, zero space, uh, because they have a ton of skill. And if you give them freedom to move around and roam around, they're very effective. What have you made of the job that, uh, and I know you focus on your own team, but Sven Butenjohn has kind of turned the program around there, which is great for the conference. Yes, it is. Like I said earlier, I think last time we were talking, there's five teams, and even McEwen gave uh, Mount Royal a run for the money this past weekend, so it was great for Dales and and McEwen doing a great job there as well. Um, So there's five teams that are competing for that top spot, now four teams uh, competing for that spot. Any of the teams can beat anybody, and and Sven's done a good job. They brought in some good players. Uh, they play a very offensive game, and they they go after you. They got four lines that can score. They got some active D at the back end that are very aggressive offensively, um, and they want to try and light up the score sheet. So we got to make sure we're good and sound. How, how does it work, Herbie, in the sense of uh, how many teams out of Canada West? Is it a given that it's two that go to nationals? Do you know the format yet? Yeah, it's two teams going. So whoever wins this weekend between us and UBC is going to nationals. Uh, we'll. The winner of this series will play either Calgary or Mount Royals, the other semifinals. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of those teams are going, one of these two teams are going. Uh, obviously, you're trying to put yourself in the best position by winning Canada West, giving yourself the best seeding, the best opportunities at Nationals. Uh, but right now, for us, we're just focusing about UBC in our first game and making sure that we have the game that we need to Friday night. Mm-hmm. Ian Herber is with us on Sports 1440. You did touch on special teams. Are you happy with where your special teams are at this point in the season? Uh, we're during the season. Um, our power play numbers were low, but we had scored a ton of power play goals. Uh, two seconds, three seconds right after the penalty. Mm. Um, so our power play numbers probably would have been in the mid-20s uh, during the regular season. Uh, definitely wasn't good enough during the first series against Saskatchewan. I thought our PK slipped, and our power play was ineffective at times, but got a big goal in that game three to tie it up and to send it into overtime. Mm. So scored a timely goal when it needed to. Um, Justin Hall's unit was very good, I thought, on the power play. Where are you at with your goaltending situation, uh, how you've handled it to this point and moving forward? Uh, Kruger will start again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go from there. It's day by day. We, we, we evaluate after every game. Uh, we know we got Berlin, who's been practicing very hard, played, is playing very hard when he gets into games, uh, and is very competitive. So we'll see after the first game where we're at. Uh, and go from there. You added some guys at the at the break, uh, Herbie. Aiden uh, De La Gorgandier. Uh, how has he looked on the back end? And uh, what was it, McLennan up front? 
Yeah, yeah. No, he's uh, Aiden's been very good for us. Yeah. He controls the play. He can skate the puck out of the zone. Uh, he actually got our offense going in game three with just a four-on-four play, taking the puck all the way from our zone, uh, driving by their four guys in the backhand short side shelf uh, to get our offense generated and get going again. How does guy that can, yeah? Sorry, go ahead. Finish up. No, go ahead, Kevin. Yeah. I'm just going to say how this week. How does it shape up with you? Is it it's reading week, so you're not practicing as early? And uh, what's the travel schedule? What do you how do you prepare this week? Yeah, no, uh, ten ten thirty. We we practice this week with the, the reading week, as you said. So no academics that we have to worry about. Um, obviously, guys are studying and papers and everything. Um, as, uh, midterms coming up next week and stuff like that. So we'll make sure they're studying, staying on top of it. Uh, so we didn't practice Monday, a rest day from the three-on-three. Three. Uh, we played Tuesday, or practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we fly out uh, dinner time. I think, on Thursday for UBC. Mm-hmm. And in the sense of uh, the travel, a little different because it's a, this is probably it's your longer trip, but you are obviously flying. Uh, any difference in the sense of how you kind of adjust, make an, an, an adjustment to, with going out to, to the West Coast? Uh, not much, not mm-hmm. too much. We don't pregame skate ever, um, so we won't skate Friday there. We'll do some stretches and some video, and we'll do some active things. We always do in our morning morning sessions before games. Uh, we'll just make sure we eat properly, getting a ton of fluids and our hydration this mm-hmm. week of preparation. We won't we won't be that hard, but we'll cover a lot of material that we'll need to be make sure we're sharp for against UBC. Mm-hmm. How physical do you think the series will be, Ian? We need to be very physical on them, so hopefully at least one way it's physical. I'm sure UBC is thinking the same thing on their end, Um, but we need to make sure we are physical. When we played that way in Saskatchewan, we were very effective, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a turning point at times when we wanted to be swinging and soft and not get engaged. That was our trouble, and that was our first game. Well, wish you all the best of, of luck coming up on Friday for game number one. Uh, and hopefully uh, you can uh, come out with a victory in UBC and uh, head to Nationals uh, once again. Thanks for doing this, Herbie. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, Kevin. All right. That's Ian Herbers, head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears. Big victory in Saskatchewan. And way different. I was telling you last week, Duke, about the difference from old Rutherford Arena to the new the new facility in, Saskatch- in Saskatoon. I mean, Rutherford... You know, that made Rutherford Arena was so old and just decrepit and dusty and um, just that that press box. I still can't get over the fact that you could you felt like you were falling into the bench at every point of the game and just hanging on for dear life. Just like uh, taking in a game at uh, Mullet Arena, I'm sure. The Moulet. The, the Moulet. Moulet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I We had some text. Actually, some people said that they enjoyed the camera angle last night. From Mullet Arena? Yeah. Similar to you? Did you think that too? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just because it is so different it throws me off mm-hmm. that I'm used to watching the, the more traditional one. And granted, there there are times and during certain games, and it's probably sometimes due to the building itself, restrictions and stuff like around the rest of the league where I feel like, I don't know if it's the broadcast or because of the limitations, like where I am wondering, like, what are we doing? Like, why is the camera uh, like this? Why is it so slow uh, following? Like, I I don't know. I I hate to pick on stuff like that because obviously sitting on my couch, I don't know the Mm -hmm. full extending circumstances. And usually I don't notice too much one way or the other, like if I care for or this. Like, usually it's more so the commentary on the games. And of course, as Oilers fans, we're really treated to to get both Jack and and Louie, who are two of the best in the biz uh, covering all of ours. Um 
but uh, and it, but like because it's funny because the we're we're gonna chat with uh, Dan Rosen uh, yep. coming up in the next hour. He of course um, covering the the New York teams and the two stadium series games. I saw a lot of stuff across Twitter that people didn't really care for the way that these two games were broadcasted over the weekend, even though it was it's ESPN's top crew. Yeah, so. It's a good point. I mean, I watched the first one a little more. I didn't watch the second game. I, I didn't catch either of them. But how about this? Like traditionally, the outdoor games, like the unders, low scoring, you know, the ice conditions, et cetera, is usually a safe bet. Both mm-hmm. these games incredibly high scoring, over yeah. over ten goals or ten or more uh, in both of them. So that was uh, a little surprising, especially when you had two of the best goalies in the league mm-hmm. um, in net for the uh, the Islanders Rangers one. Exactly, and uh, there was. Um, I, I, did they? Uh, was it totally sold out? That eighty thousand. I don't know if it was a total sellout for both games. I think yeah, it was seventy eight, seventy five, seventy seven, something, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. I think. I mean, it's uh, that's so tough. You're What's filling that many people in, in a football You're way stadium. Up like, there, man. Holy yeah, bring cow. your bring your binoculars. Yeah, um, track the puck. When we come back, it's the Duke and I. Are you in or you're out? It's going to be weird. We haven't done this for a while because it's always been obviously Wait, we Grant, Grant Fears off today. Planted so. around our, yeah. our co-host, but Grant enjoying some uh, well-deserved uh, relaxation time. Uh, in Thailand. Overseas. You know, every time I think of like a like a wedding or something in Thailand, and you know, you obviously think of the hangover part two, right? Yeah, I've n- I never saw the second one. Oh, uh. I, I only saw hangover one, which I think is maybe a good thing. <laughs> I, I heard I heard number two is okay. And well, three you can't, was bad. Yeah, you can't beat number one. But like, th- th- I think that movie maybe doesn't get enough love as one of the best comedies of like the last twenty years. That movie was so funny. Um, Alan, right? Zach Galifian, <laughs> yeah, he was funny in there. The Wolf Pack. Oh, yeah. uh, so, are you in or are you out with the Duke coming up? Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. We had a text come in quite a while ago, uh, Duke, which uh, now I've just got the in or out sheet, and it was about uh, Connor McDavid uh, with his uh, assist possibility of cracking 100. He's never done it before. But uh, isn't that something that you would have that ready to rock and roll for are you in or are you out? It's uh, it's funny because a good friend of mine who is probably the biggest Oilers fan of my immediate group of friends, he, mm-hmm. was, uh, he floated it out there. About that? Pre-game yesterday about that because kind of comparing it to like what is more likely Austin Matthews hitting... 70. 70 goals or Connor McDavid hitting 100 assists. Ryan just said McDavid is on pace for 99. Can he get to 100? Uh, last player to do it was Gretzky, 90-91. So time now for Are You In or Are You Out with the Duke? Okay, okay, you know what? Moving too fast. Bottom line, are you in or are you out? In or out of what? No time for questions, just action. In or out? Well, then I'm out. I'm sorry, Jet. Actually, you're already in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I thought you would go, I'm in, Bob. We would have had a really cool moment, but uh, you kind of ruined the whole thing. All right, Duke, you came up with some biggies. Was this tough after a long weekend for you, like to get back into the flow, get your to get your creative juices flowing? Back into the rhythm, yeah. I was uh, racking my brain, struggling. But I'm, I mean, every day in my life is a struggle, Kevin. So <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing too different there. But uh, no, we had a great weekend of action of sports across the uh, the realm. With, Forgot to ask you, was there a, a Tropicana Orangeman game? No Tropics game. Oh. We got a, the ten days off. We're back in action Friday. Oh yeah, the night. Old, the old, old baby, break. old baby. Yeah, Friday night. That's Why? A, that's. It's, 
Sweet. We just play the games as they're scheduled, Kev. Huh. So that should make for uh, maybe a little post-game action. Oh, boy. Following that. But uh, senior outlaws were in action Saturday night. Maybe we'll uh, we'll loop around back to that uh, later in the show. So, uh, But for today's in or out, we're starting exactly where we uh, j- were just chatting about. Connor McDavid needs 38 assists in the Oilers' final 31 games to have the first 100 assist season since Gretzky in 90-91, where he had 122. I'm saying Gretz, uh, McDavid will pass Thornton's 96 from the year 2005-06, but will come up short of 100 overall. You know, this is a tough one again because I think a lot of people, a lot of Oilers fans want to see Connor shoot a little more now. They they want to see him um, score more, and I mean, which is crazy in the sense when you think that he had 64 goals last year and obviously he's not going to get close to that this year. Can he get to 40 goals? Maybe. Uh 32 games left, he's at 21. But again, the assist total is an interesting dynamic here because of the amount of playmaking that he's doing. So I'm going to go, I'm out on this because I think he will not come out. I think he's going to crack 100. Uh, It's going to be close, but I'm going to go that he's going to be over 100 or at 100 assists for the year. It's funny when you look at it because like his last stretch of games, I mean, of course, the six assists night, uh, three and a loss to St. Louis, uh, a couple more on Saturday, another multi-point effort last night. Like it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility at all because 38 in 31 games, that's, you know, not even one and a half per game. He's well eclipsing that. And we all know how, uh, like when he's, it, it's it's funny to say when Conor McDavid gets hot, he's always hot. It, it's more so what's more rare is getting cold, mm-hmm. right? And if he goes a game without a single point. He's at 83 on the year. Kucherov's at 94. So he's only, you know, he's right on the heels there. It's all of a sudden within like four games, yeah. he's put himself right back. Like not only in there's like, ooh, could he catch him? Like he's right on the heels again all of a sudden. So. And exciting to see tomorrow. David Pasternak is ranked fourth or sits fourth in NHL scoring with 80. So you're going to see two of the, the guys. And then with Leon, they played together at the All-Star game. So yeah, a little, uh, little fun interaction there. Uh, Oilers now entering a stretch that we'll see them play 14 games over the next 28 days a uh, couple back-to-backs in the mix but I'm saying uh, despite only the couple back-to-backs Cal Pickard will make five starts over the next 14 game stretch five is probably right on the over under number right there um, in the sense that it's probably going to be under I would say so Stu Skinner plays tomorrow against Boston Excuse me um the back-to-back this weekend is one of them, so he'll play. Do you, you know what was interesting? A lot of people just assumed that Cal Pickard was going to play yesterday in Arizona instead of the game in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Everyone just assumed that, yeah, right? Because that's how it kind of is. Yeah, he's trying to stack, stack things up. And, and Cal Pickard, I, I sent this tweet out Saturday afternoon during that game. He wasn't bad. No. In the game against Dallas, I, I thought he was fighting the puck a little bit more than we've seen him in his more recent starts. A lot of le- uh, rebounds left laying out there on some longer yeah. range shots and stuff. But he he hasn't done anything to not earn the net when his number is called, right? And we've talked about like Jack Campbell is probably not going to be called back up until no. the playoffs when they can do uh, you know do so without having to make an um, uh, exchanging move, basically sending someone back down as well. So. Uh, I'll just say I think it's under. It's probably going to be four. So yeah. I'll go. I'll go four. So I'm I'm out on that one. The fact that he'll go five starts over the span of fourteen games. I'll go four. I that, yeah. I th- I think you might be right. It's because the other back to back is uh, first weekend of March, Saturday, Sunday, Seattle, Pittsburgh, and then the following weekend, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, as well. But the fact they play four games that week from uh, Sunday to or five games Sunday to Sunday, starting and ending with the Penguins. I think he might get two. 
um, in there, and, and who knows if something else comes up, then maybe he makes another one. So I, I agree, four probably very, very mm-hmm. uh, likely, but maybe a fifth to mix in. Uh, Connor Bedard, six games uh, or six points, pardon me, and three games back since returning from injury, still wearing the. Uh, the chin protector, the full bubble. <laughs> he's having trouble seeing. Looking up there. like, uh, well, <laughs> apparently not with uh, two points per game since his return. He's up to 17 goals on the season. 26 game left on uh, games left on Chicago's schedule. It'll be tough, but I think he can still hit 30 goals for his rookie season. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm in on this one. I think that he uh, can get rolling here. Uh, obviously, has to stay injury free mm-hmm. and and get uh, back to because I don't think he's at 100 percent right now. Even oh god, I job, mean he's, so. he's wearing the, the bubble for a reason, right? So, so. I, I think he'll get to 30. He's uh, special talent. We all know that. Cal, uh, Chicago, they got a bad team though too, right? Oh, I mean, man. it just stinks. Uh, we'll see. Uh, he's got no one to play with there, really. But I'll still say that he's good enough. <laughs> he should be able to get a few more power play goals too to get to crack the thirty goal mark. So I'm I'm in on that one. Yeah, yeah. Ha- half a goal or a goal every second yeah. game is what he needs to average out to. And it's it is tough when the Blackhawks are as poor as they are. Um, but I think, like you said, the amount of minutes he's going to play, goodbye with some power play, mm-hmm. uh, probably going Oilers mode. Like their other four guys around him might change off over the power play, but he might stay out there for the full two minutes. Could uh, every every single time. So, uh, moving away, uh, it was a NBA All Star weekend that uh, saw Charles Barkley, who turns sixty one today. Of course, on a lot of the broadcast, mixing it up a little chirp on Draymond Green. He said, uh, <laughs> oh, "I was talking to so you know who was asking about you the other day," and Draymond said, "Who? No one." <laughs> <laughs> Um, Charles, of course, uh, goes by a a lot of nicknames, Chuck, Sir Charles, but uh, the original one, the Round Mound of Rebound, I think is the best nickname in sports that does not get talked about or used enough. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm in on this one. I like it. That is such a great nickname. And again, I think that the two of them, when, when Barkley and Shaq go at it, and just it is just it's just worth every second of watching, and the the amount of laughing that like that one time that Shaq got tangled up with the cords and was going back and <laughs> fell and whatever, and, and Charles is like I mean he's like he's pissing himself laughing so hard because he can't take it anymore, and Kenny Anderson too they're la- like they're all laughing. But, the the, the but, panel's great, yeah. and I love what the NHL's done trying to mimic it. Of course, uh, it, it's not going to be no. the same just because it's you can't replicate that uh, that perfect chemistry that the the group of them. Have up there but I think the addition of uh, our uh, friend of the program Paul Bizonette he kind of brings one element to Mm -hmm. it but I think that the one thing I've noticed watching those intermission shows since Rick Tockett left to go back to head coaching he kind of missed and because Biz played under Tockett as Mm -hmm. an assistant coach in Arizona they had a great kind of back and forth they'd butt heads sometimes and chirp each other I don't know if that same element is there since uh, since talk left I I agree Charles Barkley though I mean everything (laughs) Even when you watch him, like you want to, you want to golf with the guy. You just want to sit. We talked about this last week with Laddie about Yager being like a hockey hang. Yeah, I think just a general hang. Charles Barkley's got to be up near the top of the list of people across the entire world. Imagine some. Well, you'd love because he was. I don't know if he's betting as much as he (laughs) used to, but he was. He was late. He was sprinkling some. uh, I don't know if he was sprinkling. I think he was dumping. He was throwing a lot out there. You would. The two of you guys would just say, "What was your biggest win? Biggest what what action do you got tonight?" Oh man. I will. I will say on uh, Friday. Nights games? No, Saturday. I had a little tweet about some of my. I liked a lot of underdogs across uh-huh. the board, and went three for four, hmm. all on plus money. So that's a pretty rewarding afternoon. Good for you, Duke. Thank you. Good for you. I uh, I don't like to brag about the wins because then I'd have to take ownership for all the losses, and there is 
plenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, last but certainly not least, away from the world of sports, I had this one on before, but uh, we didn't get to it because I thought Laddie was more of a Seinfeld guy, but I forgot he's a curb guy, not a Seinfeld guy. But this is something that's just been eating away at me as mm-hmm. I've been going through my almost annual rewatch of Seinfeld start to finish. Of all the recurring characters you on, this guy. on Seinfeld, Jerry's dad, Morty, is the worst. I don't know why you hate him. Why do you hate him? He's, he's a complainer. And like, and not my wallet's a, gone. My and, wallet's yeah, gone. Like that. Um, like he sell. <laughs> like Jerry buys him this new Cadillac, and then all he does is complain about it. He sells it. He for, wasn't complaining about it. The wife was. No, but Morty, because they sold it for like six grand, and then Jerry had to buy it back for like fourteen. I thought the mom Klompus, was complaining. Then Clompus drives it into well, Jack. Morty liked it right when he first got it. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, he's like, "Yeah, we had to sell it." Yeah. Too much car. What was the the line was uh, when he when he was uh, doing the uh, the settings? He said, uh, "Look at this, Jerry. I could go to prison for fifteen years, and all I got to do is press the number one button. It goes back to it where goes I, back to exactly yeah. where I like and, it." Yeah, and he goes, well, that's what I was thinking about when I bought when it. When I yeah. bought it, yeah. 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 But yeah, I don't know. He just he rubs me the wrong way. He's he's complaining. Um, he's he's very not entitled, but like he's very high on himself. You know, when he comes back and goes and work for Peterman. Um, he's like, I worked in the raincoat in- and he's always talking about his job in the raincoat industry mm-hmm. for 35 years, 45 years, the whatever The beltless trench coat. Well, yeah, he invented that, the executive. Executive. That's his one claim to fame. And then he's arguing with Kramer about getting that deal set up to sell the coats to the, the guy, Ru- Rudy's. Yeah, Rudy's. And then the moths came out and the other clothes that George in, stole from, Frank's, from yeah. the- uh, <laughs> His Havana, his yeah, Havana wear. Uh, cruise selection. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, is there another character, like another guy who is in more than just one episode? Uncle so, Leo, maybe? See, I think Uncle Leo's funny. Okay. I don't think Morty's funny at all. Well, the mom could even go fall into this. Yeah, but she's a mom, like doting on him. She's uh, who, How could somebody not like him? Uh, well, yeah, but you made out during Schindler's List. How could you? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that could be, you know, some people don't like Newman. Well, they're idiots. <laughs> you know. Newman's great. He would be... The as far as a recurring character, he's a little higher than that because he's in more. He's, he's in more, he's especially more in the especially in the later seasons. Newman uh, much more prevalent. Like we don't even we we see the first appearance of Newman, but only in reference when he was trying to jump off the roof and get Kramer to care about him, mm-hmm. and then he jumps off from the, out the second floor window or whatever. <laughs> and, um, I'll I'll just go yeah whatever I'm indifferent to this one but like, I'll, I I go with the mum I'll go with the mum you over think Morty. the mum is is yeah. worse yeah. Helen I ah man yeah Morty just bugs me. Morty bugs you and T- Dean says have you ever met anyone's dad most are like that Team Dean. I don't think so I've met yeah I've Banya. never met, I've never met anyone's dad Banya is the worst oh, <laughs> see but here's the thing I think Banya's funny yeah. because like he has a purpose he's like the annoying like under, he's Jerry's protege yes. Well, that's what he was. Jerry's his mentor. He was. They were the mentor protege. And they work on the Ovaltine bit, and all of a sudden, Banya's, uh, he comes legit. But, like, Morty doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Kramer, your sissy cream rubbed out the numbers (laughs) on the... (laughs) He got Uma Thurman's phone number. Oh, there's some good ones there, Duke. Uh, Quick sidebar on, because you brought up Seinfeld, and you did uh, talk about Curb with Laddie. I was watching episode three. Uh... I think it's absolutely hilarious in the sense of the uh, there was a golf, uh, a lot of golf in in uh, episode three on Sunday night from Curb. Uh, so he's sitting on uh, the bench right by the the driving range, and some guy's giving a lesson to another guy. 
And the guy goes, what are you doing? Well, nothing. Well, I'm giving a private lesson and you're taking some lessons. Yeah. I can line you up. I can give you a private lesson. And then he, He's like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can. I have not seen this episode yet, but I can envision oh. exactly how so it is. You will honestly. You got to watch it. You will laugh out loud about that. Well, that five to seven minutes about. Then he goes out and he smokes because he's on the uh, whatever hole, and they say, "Well, go ahead, hit." You're not going to hit it that far, and then yeah. he hits the guy. <laughs> so now, and the guy's uh, hearing impaired, <laughs> and so he couldn't yell for. Oh so. yes. Uh, when we come back, we've got. Uh, our St. Albert Dodge game of the day. We'll probably do games of the day, but we'll focus on some games tonight and even the stadium series with Dan Rosen from NHL.com. Before that, here is the Duke with a sports 1440 update.